Hello! Welcome to Night Stuff. Um, thanks about adding horror to your D&D campaigns. I gotta apologize up front ahead of time. Uh, totally goosed and uh, got the kids in the background because the wife's not here. So there's baby show slash music pretty much the entire time and I apologize for that. But it's still good stuff. You can still hear everyone just fine. Uh, you just get to listen to Kokomo in the background. Speaking of, there they are again. <laughs> anyway... Streaming. Hello and welcome to tonight's podcast. Tonight's topic, how to add horror to your games. So we're get joined by a first official guest and we're going to start with our plug. Uh, Brittany, take it away. Hi, my name is Brittany Ransom. I am co-host to the When Killers Get Caught podcast and a lot of people know me through Caught Podcast on TikTok. We discuss killers, paranormal, cryptids, all that good stuff. Sweet. And you, uh, you were telling us in uh, the server that you have quite a bit of D&D experience. Or TTRPG, yeah. I should say. Yeah, I started playing D&D about six years ago. And I probably started GMing about five years ago. So about a year after I started, I was like, I can do this. And of course, there were a lot of uh, fun mishaps when you're first learning how to run a game. Yes. Clear your volume over here. Kill my headset. But... Yeah, I totally understand all the, the other three of us up here can agree along with pretty much our entire audience, I assume. Uh, but that's just how it is, right? So, we're going to we're gonna talk about adding horror to video games. And so, we got to talk about the types of horror that there are, right? So, we got, like, suspense horror, right? Which is there's something chasing you and it's going to get you eventually. There's the jump horror surprise where, like, it could literally just pop out of nowhere. Uh... At any moment, there's the, uh, this thing just murders things and leaves them savagely left behind and has kind of that gruel, gruel, cool, or gory, uh, effects that are left around the world. Um, anything else? Body horror. Body horror. Yeah, that's what it's called. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, is there any other major ones that I'm missing? Uh, psychological. Psychological. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, so you create, like, a sense of paranoia. Okay. users. It's used well. It's pretty great, but it's also really scary. Um, also depends on, like, I don't know, a lot of people don't like this, but it's very useful, the whole concept of, like, an isekai. So your players were doing something, and now they've been whisked away to another place that's terrifying and scary, and how did they get there? Who knows? Yeah, I personally, so generally when I do stuff in my games and it's horror-based and it's like, that's not generally the theme that we were playing. Like, if it's that's not the original setting, that's a, you're having a dream nightmare and you wake to brain yeah. eaters. <laughs> oh, gosh. Mind flares, the things that mess with your hits. Um, so, before we do silly stories, um, oh, hey, look, Frozen's trying to talk. Frozen, give me a second. Boop. There you are, boom. Hello, Frozen. I I just kind of had a question where like Cthulian style horror would fall under. I think that falls under uh, psychological for the most part because you don't really know what's real or what's fake, right? You're losing your mind and going insane. See, I, that's definitely true because if you experience Cthulhu, you lose your mind. But like, would that also fall under like the occult? I mean, Ooh. if you're you know, that's a that's a whole other category that probably again mixes quite a bit. That's the thing about horror is scary is scary, and we all kind of pretty much react to the same stimuli, uh, for the yeah. exception of like uncanny valley stuff, which even on that one probably falls into a couple different categories. Um, See, and that's the thing that I hate the most: <laughs> mannequins, uh, people that seem like people but aren't people. Real life, I'm not a fan of those. So that's too funny. Balls. Dolls, you, you can throw gore at me all the time. I'm good. But, uh, I don't know. The weirdness of, like, it's a video game from easily, like, 15 years ago. I just distinctly remember this one part where you're in a mall and there are all these mannequins, but you're also running from these people. And at one point, one of the people ended up being a mannequin, and I put it down, and I was like, nope, I'm good. I'm trying That's to think. my line. Uh, Oh, what, what, what was that one? Oh, gosh. There were such a, a bunch of wonderful horror games in the 90s. But. <laughs> right. 
Um, okay, so now that we kind of broken up into our what five-ish categories that we can go over and adding stuff to games, right? A little bit of flavor, a little bit of a little bit of taste, a little bit of spice. Um, so, Rock, well, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna throw one more out there. Oh, um, and this this person this runs from your own insides and it's, it's completely individual, but phobias. Ah, wonderful, wonderful choice. Which is actually a really easy DM one, and we'll we'll, we'll do that one next, so I don't forget about it. Uh, okay. But but starting off with the the slow walking horror, right? The thing that is you're running from it consistently, or it's going to get you. And like as a D and D player, you can have that be basically any monster, right? Obviously, lower level characters are going to use lower CR creatures to do this with. But if you just have like an invincible zombie that has zombie stats and you kill it and it comes back in a day, kind of like a reverend, but slower. Uh, that can be really terrifying for characters because like you, they forget about it. And then two days later they get ambushed in the middle of the night where the, with the zombie and have to run away or they're in a dungeon and there's no way out. And there's your zombie. You get to kill it 400 times because it just keeps coming back. As a player, I experienced that in, uh, I think it's called Out of the Abyss. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's or out, out from the Underdark. Yeah, it's one of the early games that I got to play in. And you escape from a drow camp. And virtually, we never came across them. But it was definitely implied that they were constantly looking for us the entire rest of the game. You can't stop. You can't sleep whenever you want to. Because there's a chance that these people who already kidnapped you are going to get you and take you back. So it and, wasn't even like a monster, but it was definitely thematic. Nice. Okay. I mean, that's that's a wonderful example. Having a group chase works just as well because maybe they can take sets of sleep. You know what I mean? Like they can take a rest because there's two hunting parties or something like that. Or they can just go switch out with their buddies back home and just rotate through. Um, or if you don't finish killing them off, you know, they run back to their people and get a whole nother group. And then you're like, oh, I got to start all over again. So, yeah, that's a that's definitely a nice use of that one. Now, jumping over to phobias, because phobias are a great addition to basically any game. You don't even have to run a horror game in my opinion. Hey, buddy, what's up? Oh. Sorry, I just got tapped on the shoulder with my headset. about screamed. Talk about horror. Two-year-olds, they get you. Um, so, with uh, phobias, right, this is something that I suggest that most people add to their characters. Even if it isn't expanded upon, having a deep-rooted fear of something makes your character humanized, right? You know, the classic is spiders or uh, maybe even fire or something like that, right? Um, but having something that your character just, like, freezes up and locks on. Uh, Younger can attest, we ran a campaign together where, like, that was a major focus of the characters. Um, and I, I don't remember what, if it was D&D or if it was a different system. But um, when that occurred... Uh, they had to make saves. Otherwise, they just stood still and lost their turn when they saw the, the thing. You know, kind of like the fear effect, except for worse, because it basically paralyzed you. And while you're paralyzed, you know, there's other creatures over there that could whack you up. Bad. You know, and you, once you saved from it, you were good for, like, that combat or whatever, or maybe that day, depending on what it was. Uh, but, like, you know, people put spiders, heights, small spaces, and for me as a DM to do all this, well, guess where your stuff was? Um, not that you should do that all the time, but every once in a while when you know what your character's afraid of and make them face it, it lets them grow, right? And that's important for most characters. I mean, that's one of the reasons or basis for horror stuff, right? Is character growth, good, bad, or ugly. Also, how is my sound for you guys? Because the monster here is watching the answer couldn't pack right next to me. Sounds good to me. Okay, cool. Younger, you're, you you unmuted, do you have anything? I muted, but I... Yeah, yeah, the other two are muted. Younger? You just made me think of a, a game that I played in. One of my favorite uh, races to play in D&D is Aarakocra. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is they're birds, mm-hmm. and birds don't really live very long. Mm-hmm. And so I learned that um, when you come across a ghost, if you fail that, that frightened check, you age 10 years. So here I am in this game, and I completely didn't know it was supposed to be spooky and we were going to be finding ghosts. And I am terrified that every time we come across a ghost, I'm going to fail this check, and my character's just going to die. Because they can't, like, it's fine for a human to age from 30 to 40, but typically an Aarakocra is, like, five, six years old. So if you age past, like, 20, you're done. There's... 
no extension there. So inadvertently became a very solid fear for her, which is no ghosts. Let's avoid the ghosts. Play with Eric. Hey, shh. Oh, you goose, you're fine. Hey, I'm on the phone. So as a Speaking of Eric Cochran, so fun story. Oh, we lost, we lost younger. He'll be back. Um, we had a Eric Cochran, and we had a really interesting time with the whole H aspect. This is going to go off on a tangent. Uh, but, like, him falling in love with someone that was close to his age was kind of weird, right? Because he was, like, uh, I think at one point the character married a 13-year-old. Like, just out of convenience to get him away from abusive family people or whatever. And someone was like, yeah, you can't be dating a 13-year-old. That's that's not okay, even if it's a real game. And he's like, my character is 11. Right, but the problem is, like, if you look at it from a grand scheme of things, you mature at about five yeah. as a bird person. And you die anywhere between 15 and 20. So even though you're 11, like emotionally this creature should be much much older like dog years or whatever right well so i don't know if you uh play eric cochran without uh object permanency but that's how he played his character so he was very like what's the appropriate term he wasn't childlike but he was just forgetful and like didn't mm. intentionally did the i don't follow human customs route <laughs> uh, gotcha. um, so like in character made more sense it sounds worse than it was uh, but to alleviate that problem, uh, that, 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 uh, poor girl that got, she got electrocuted by lightning died. It was very traumatic for everybody. I guess that issue took care of itself. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, uh, to be fair, I think that happened a year or two later in the campaign, story-wise. So she was a bit older when it happened, but still. Um, so, next... Uh, can I expand upon something? Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, uh, in regards to, uh, basically effects that you can have on characters in regards to phobias, it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, the frightened condition. Like, if your character is, you know, like, afraid of gore, you might instead inflict the poisoned condition, you know? Or, like you said, paralyzed condition. Like, there's other conditions that you can, uh, utilize in regards that makes sense you know like some people puke at the sight of blood so that would make sense to have the poison condition or the uh, essential effects of the poison condition we also had another character in our out of the underdark because i don't know if anyone's ever played that module but you keep coming across things and if you fail these checks you start getting hit with insanity um effects and so one of our players just completely, he was a monk and he failed every single one of them to the point where our GM kind of changed his character. And so his name was Mordak and Mordak suddenly believed that he could do anything and he could fight anything, which now was a problem that was everybody's problem until we could get him like cured from his insanity. We had another player whose insanity effect was paranoia. And so I'm playing in a group with four people and two of them are just completely off the rails. And the other two of us are like, we need to find a city somewhere where we can spend all of our money on things to heal these people. In the meantime though, you know, the one who thinks he can do anything is running into fights. Uh, I feel like that's less scary, and that was just more punishing. But so, I guess it's still, as it's the fact, it's space in the game. So I think this the, the chart I'm thinking of actually might come from that module, but there's an actual madness or insanity chart that you can use. And some of it's long-term effects. So, like, there's, there's three categories of it. It's a D100 chart or three mm -hmm. D100 charts, whatever. Uh, but it's the madness table, and some of them are just like, Oh man, I hope I don't roll that because that'll be terrible. And then some of them are funny and just you know you can kind of goofball with your yeah, character. Yeah, I afterwards. think I, I think that's where his came from, and his was just Mordak believes he's the best anything, and we have a great moment that happened in game where we're trying to fight a ghost that you can't see, and he runs into the room and he smashes a skull, and that ends up being the cursed item. But he just did it because he thought it looked cool in the moment. 
episode it ends up just being funny but the thought process too what do you think about games where society collapses does that fall under hey we're kind of doing that we're kind of doing that in our game. Society is currently collapsing around our characters. They just don't realize it. Uh, oh, that's the worst. Yeah. So I was like, that could be also horrific to live through as players. Yeah, uh, totally. Scarcity of food and resources and things like that. Uh, definitely, definitely a route to go with being scared because uh, you got to eat, right? Uh but I think it's more terrifying when you know that the people that you care about are the ones that are suffering. You know, as an adventurer, you'll do what you will to, to survive. But, like, if your characters have family, friends, whatever, in a town, and that town is, like, starving out, I think that's just as scary for a character. And, like, you know if you fail a mission or something like that, they're going to die because they won't get food or whatever, right? Besides giving them great motivation, like, that's a, that's a true fear that they can have. We had a game where we were in Waterdeep and we were supposed to save this guy. And we just messed up. It was the beginning of the game. We didn't really, we weren't really treating it with the, I guess, seriousness that it should have because Waterdeep's a very exciting D&D town. And so we went looking for this guy and we were like, oh, we didn't find him. And then we found out later that um, he, he was consumed by a mind flare. And, and now that's a problem and of course we're all very scared of mind flares and we're like how how are we supposed to deal with this issue now but i felt really bad as a player that we let this guy die thus is the regret of storytelling sometimes but i feel you um oh we lost him again that's okay oh that wasn't even, never mind he's still in here it's uh lost dugger house but mind up? if i butt in for a moment of course so uh i believe uh, as a as a player one of the most terrifying things to run across is uh, overwhelming odds against your favor. Whether that be like, hey, I'm a level five character and there's an adult red dragon, or there being the circumstance of uh, one time I was running a campaign, uh, I had some people assisting this individual with an adventure, and uh, it turned out that that individual was actually a uh, a doppelganger and had merely you know murdered the actual original inhabitant mm-hmm. um, and was having this dungeon cleared by the uh, player characters that just killed the deep dwarves that were inside um, and the characters it was originally like supposed to be like oh this is kind of scary because they find out that the person they're helping is actually like not a good guy <laughs> and everything uh, kind of flipped around on me. Turned out that they kind of sided with the doppelganger even after the fact, uh, despite that fact, and that they utilized them to his own advantage. However, uh, there was definitely other circumstances, because normally a lower-level player characters would be really afraid if they ran across a doppelganger. Uh, you know, finding out that oh no, this person who I thought was like a good guy or a friend was actually a villain the whole time and I've become the villain in assisting them. Um, yeah, that, especially if you feel like you're a good guy. Yeah, exactly. It makes you torn between yeah what your character's decisions are and so on and so forth if you're a good character or a lawful character in some circumstances. Um another ordeal one of my most favorite things to implement is uh bosses that just don't follow the normal rules Mm, yeah i like uh like whether that be oh they have a unique spell or spell-like ability uh, which may or may not be accessible to player characters at a later date or uh giving them multiple initiative counts or different types of actions on different initiative counts. So yeah, sure, they might have one normal turn, but then they might also have an initiative count that lets them move at like half their movement speed, uh, which may or may not include disengage action or an extra attack feature in the middle of combat. And people are like, whoa, 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 wait, what? Kind of similar to legendary actions, except not as limited. 
It was uh, making me think of. Well, it was making me think of a game that I did. It was a one shot, like a level 21 shot, because our players just wanted to be awesome. And so uh, the big bad was this angel who had crossed into another realm and gotten corrupted and thought that I guess she had seen something that was coming in time. And she decided that the only way to fix it was to stop time completely. And um, she was using this ancient horror type creature to, to fuel this what she was working with. And on top of them having to deal with her and all her abilities, the ancient horror had its own, it had an aura around it that messed with everybody and other layers of things. And at one point in the game, in the final battle, she absorbs it. My players cast a wish spell to separate it so that I made them fight both of them simultaneously. And they said that that was pretty intense. It was a battle that ended up going on for like three or four hours. You mean a regular combat encounter? Just kidding. Um, it was the finale, and they... Well, it wouldn't have gone on two more hours if they hadn't have used the wish belt. <laughs> I, I let it go. I let it go because it seemed fun at the time, and then I still had, had to fight two monsters with two instead of one. That's rough. Oh, man. Yeah. We, we've been there. We understand. Okay, so... Uh, Refocusing on horror stuff. Oh, we lost somebody. Oh, come back, friends. Uh, we talked about uh, the slow-moving horror. We talked about phobias. Uh, unique horrors kind of fall into where you guys were at. You know, where something is just like an oddity that can be terrifying. Uh, but, um, but what about just the random jump scare? So like you're having an RP moment and then someone gets stabbed in the back or something like that. Or or just eviscerated and chopped to pieces. We did this recently in one of our campaigns to story kill uh, some characters so the players could do new characters because they're like, I don't really like this guy. Get rid of him. Okay. Um, but no, like, I've never really tried to do a jump scare. It didn't seem like it was super possible because generally jump scares rely on visual and sound you know okay so there's there uh, i feel like again we're, we've been talking about D, D a lot i think there's quite a few other uh hey enough you too. Hey. oh yeah uh like i, mean, uh, I mentioned oh, sorry no i mentioned the game in the chat the other day sleep away that's a great like spooky little game yeah, and uh, why, can you explain that really quick? Just uh, just for, for the people that aren't listening to the, or not in the uh, Discord, like, what, what's Sleep Away about? Because it sounds really cool. Okay, so Sleep Away is a TTRPG from a guy named Jay Dragon, and the concept is that you are all, the players themselves are camp characters, like uh, the athlete, the counselor, the crafter, the... They call it the fresh blood, the new counselor, the lifeguard, the song leader, things like that. Um, and you are dealing with this creature that they call the linworm. And everyone has had an experience with it, um, but no one controls it in the game. It has its own mechanics that happen based on what you do. And the way the game is set up, it makes you choose these characters, choose their connections to each other, uh, choose what happened with you in the past with the linworm and then you build the actual map yourselves so like field woods lake uh where the campers live all that stuff and then they have like effects called the magic and the strangeness and uh sometimes people play the linworm as a deck of cards and so whatever you pull that's what it does um and also you don't just say like i go to the lake it's more like your character decides to make either an honorable choice or a cowardly one. And things happen based off of that. You can add in whatever kind of stuff you want. So you can have body or her. They actually make a space in the, the book to talk about talking to your players about what things they're okay with. Like I know with the group that I play with, no animals. They don't want to know anything horrific happening to animals. But you can lay all that out very much in the beginning, and you kind of craft this world, and then you also try and survive it. 
it's beautiful. It came out in 2016 and won a bunch of awards. And I've run it twice, or you don't really run it. You play it with the other players, but it's awesome. <laughs> so on, on that note, I mean, this is probably an important concept for horror in general. Um, and we talk about this all the time is setting stuff up in your session zeros with people. Uh, whether that's a one shot or not, you know, having a session zero or a text message with the group beforehand, whatever is appropriate to set those rules up. Because playing with horror in general, right, can be upsetting for some people, right? The the visceral description of body parts, limbs flying everywhere or blood and whatnot can really set people off. And we, we know this. And uh, it's better to know what not to say than to say, right? That way you can be creative with what you're saying because, you know, saying someone got ripped into four pieces can be bad. But you can make it way worse or way better you know you can flower up the language so it doesn't sound as bad and then when you're like wait what does he actually look like and then you describe it perfect <laughs> what yeah, it's Monster. just something you have to do if you're running a game you just have to know what people's limits are because well, i'll say this i got to play in curse of strahd very early in my D&D career and I tapped out. It was it was very scary. And we kept dying and there were weird things that happened when your characters died and they got brought back and it was horrible. And I was like, you know what? I'm done with this scary vampire man and I am done with this game. Um, I've run parts of that campaign for other groups. My GM was just very into the spooky and it was just a little too much for me at the beginning of my D&D career. So. We didn't have those conversations. We just kind of jumped in and did it. And that's why they are important. Yeah, so I mean, for the first 10 years of me playing the the game itself, I don't think I ever had a session zero where we put down ground rules. Now it's kind of just like standard operating procedure where you're like, all right, everything good? Cool. Anything you guys can't handle because you'll cry? Sweet. Uh. <laughs> well, sometimes it's situational too. Like I had planned a couple years ago, I planned this Halloween game. And I had this whole story and people died and they had the ghosts and demons and stuff. And then like a week before the game, one of our players had a loss in his family. And I, I went to him privately and I was like, just a heads up, the theme of death is real strong in this coming game. Are you okay with that? I can't help daddy. Sorry. Come on, the That's okay. Allergies kicking her butt as bad as they are mine. So, uh, with, I mean, on that, you know, we go back to the, the body horror, right? Because that's the, the next kind of topic. Oh, we keep losing people. What's up with that? They'll be back. Uh, body horror in general, right, is an easy addition to most games. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's just a descriptor for the most part, right? Um, very rarely do you get to, like, visually see someone getting ripped and teared apart unless you find a fantastic gif or something crazy that you send out to people and then, you know. There's plenty of C-rate horror movies that provide wonderful visuals. Um, which, by the way, is a suggestion. If you need, like, an example of what happened to someone, look up, like, cheesy horror films and you're probably going to find it somewhere. Um... <gasps> He's back. Um, but weirdly enough, one that I had to deal with was the party found a well. The water in the well was cursed. They didn't really know that, but they wanted to experiment with it. And so every time they decided to drink from this well, there were negative things that could happen. And there was only one real positive, which was it was a body swap. It was a gender swap. So your character suddenly now opposite gender um, and they thought that was really funny and i was just sitting here going oh, i have this list in front of me this table of horrible things that can happen and you keep coming back to this one spot because you all want to change genders randomly uh but i think like that's also a, a form of body horror too i mean also oh. i had a character that didn't know why she was growing tentacles and was indeed terrified. I mean, the, go back to body horror. Yeah, to, totally. You have the, uh, the like the movie The Fly. You know, I mean, where you're just slowly transforming into something else. Um, well, the books that, that yeah, younger got me. The Grim Hollow has rules on that for transforming, and like you could 100% make a character transform. You know, a good easy example for most campaigns is like make someone turn into a werewolf or some kind of were something. Um, oh, and have yeah. the first transformation be slow. 
Um, and not necessarily on a full moon. Like, maybe it ends on a full moon and the cycle starts as soon mm-hmm. as they're bit. So, like, you know, they just start getting hairy and patchy and their teeth grow and then their face elongates, you know, slowly and painfully. Uh, could be interesting. Especially if they're playing with a group that's like, I've never dealt with wear things before. Oh. <laughs> uh, another one that I've uh, done with. It's, it's an interesting thing. It's a simple thing. You go into a house... You're trying to save these people. You find out that the house is actually not what you thought it was. And the only way out of it are two options. You can essentially have to deal with the house fighting back. Or you present the players with the option to sacrifice one of the members of the party. Nice. And the house will release them. Okay, so uh, you uh, we didn't really talk about this, but uh, situational horror. Right, where like you're given choices that there's really no good outcome from. Um, you know, the Saw series is a wonderful touch point for that. You know what I mean? It'd be like, oh hey, uh, <laughs> sure you can you can get out of this trap that's gonna rip off your face, but you gotta cut off your arms to do so. Good luck. Um, you know, and in D and D, there's ways to come back from that. But even still, going through that experience uh, could be could be not so fun. You know, uh, we talk about puzzles and traps. Like usually, you do you know one-year-old uh, puzzles for most players because you know that's about the attention span we got for it. But <laughs> Tomb of Alliance, Tomb of Annihilation is full of those kind of puzzles. Yes. Where if you do it wrong, you die, and that just causes its own anxiety because, of course, you know you spent all the time, you've cared about this character, you finally made it to the temple. Uh, of the nine gods and then now you're like wait if i do one wrong move i could die yeah too too i've run the tomb a couple times now as a player and as a dm and i'm just not a big fan of it most of the time because it just feels like it was something that was built by a dm who was angry at their players if i need to punish a group that's that's what you're going to we're going to the annihilation because you think you're smarmy with your 20 charisma um oh I'm listening. Am I am I confusing that with what's the other game that has the Sarah in it that was made to punish the players? Oh no, that's that's it. That's that's the one. That's two minimum of, of annihilations. Are you talking about the one with the kobold? There's two that both have a Sarah and one is actually a solid adventure, but the other is just dungeon after dungeon of horrible choices i'm not talking about that one because that's just people play that on like twitch for a charity stream yeah it's 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 not fun that's what i was talking about i assume that's what you were talking about yeah because that was uh, the story behind that is that the players were all like level 20s and they were all pretty like we're great, but this was way back. It came out in like the seventies or early eighties. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's the same thing. They've just changed the name on it. It's a it's this oh, okay. it's it's the yeah. same temple. It's just slightly different. They've updated it a bit, and it didn't okay, get any yeah. better. Because there's a new one that came out in 2017. That's the one that uh, my group played through. Unfortunately, it ended not that great, but it was mainly because uh, this was our GM's first game. And he didn't realize that power word kill really upsets players. He's not ne- he's never used it since because it, it was very much demoralizing in the final fight. You know, I, I like I said before, it, if it's the module I was thinking it was like that's not something you put first time players through. Those are those are the hey, I played a couple of characters and realized that my character may or may not be invincible. Or you have a player that's played with a while and you're like you need to be reminded that your character isn't invincible. Uh, and then you play through that. It's a it's a punishment one. And, and like, on that, on a horror standpoint, like, the first time you see your hero of your group, your leader, just take it to the face and go down, like, that can also be horror. That's a good way to start a heavy combat. So if you're playing, like, a, a guy post character, like, uh, I play every once in a while, which is just the kind of, like, DM background, hey... You guys should probably go left. Or it smells like this is the right direction. Whatever, right? If you take them out with one shot from an enemy, everyone gets real serious real fast. 
um, because they are afraid. Yeah, that happened accidentally with me recently. Um, so I, the, the group that I play with, we've played together many years now. They make very powerful players very easily. And so I, I made their boss, uh, Archmage, the bot was the big bad at the end of the game. And I hit one of the players for like 90% damage on my like first hit. Um, <laughs> like multiple dice credit and I felt really bad. They have, they, I mean, they got me back, but in that first moment, that changed, you're right, that changes the entire tenor of the battle because now they're very serious. Yeah, uh, it, it really can change the mood. And I mean, so speaking, going switching back to the, the horror, kind of adding stuff to that, uh, when you one-shot a character like that, right? Like, that is a perfect time to add that body horror, right? Because you're going with, oh, these adventures, they can get back up. If you, again, let's say that 90 points of damage or whatever hit, and they had 45 as their total HP because they're level 7s or something silly. Um, I don't know what character has 45 HP at 7, but whatever. I think, <laughs> what I think he made it through it because he had... Uh morphed into an elephant mm -hmm. and so the elephant had the temp hp mm -hmm. that's the only reason why he survived the hit otherwise if he had been just as his person it would have been like an instant death and i was like oh i feel terrible <laughs> i wanted this to be strong but i didn't want it to be that strong Does, listen they nuked her in like three turns so i didn't feel so bad after that but it's, it's a hard line to walk with very good players of this needs to be hard, but I'm not trying to kill you. So I actually have a really good input in regards to this. Uh -oh. um, you don't need to necessarily quote unquote punish a player directly. Like you don't need to just like, let's say you have a barbarian who always runs charges head on. You don't need your barbarian to be the one that takes that big hit. Sometimes it's good for cutscene moments. Doesn't have to be a cutscene moment. You might have a, a hero or maybe the beginning of your adventure. I've run several campaigns where I've had NPCs, powerful NPCs who may or may not have traveled or even guided uh, many of the, NP, uh, the player characters through their adventures and stuff who are known to be able to be like, oh, the players have tried to, like, arm wrestle him, and, like, he's just completely annihilated them. Or, you know, at the beginning of the game, uh, the players are, you know, hitting one guy at a time, and he's hitting three. Everything like that. And then you have the big bad just eviscerate them, like, brutally, or you see it so that they charge the bad guy, and they hit a force field doing no damage. Um, or something, like equally catastrophic that you could deal to a player, but instead you do it to an NPC that's been traveling with them for their entire ordeal, who they know is either equal to or greater in strength to them, mm -hmm. and then like just crushes them. And then might even use the ability to like, you know, oh, teleport to another plane of existence or something like that. Or, you know, damn their soul to eternity in hell. And now they're fighting in the gates. You don't need to necessarily, you know, kill your player, but kill somebody who is as strong as your player. Or not even necessarily kill, but just defeated. Just flings them against the wall. Blood pours out of their mouth as their chest hits the wall as they fall unconscious on the ground. Etc. Etc. And that makes that makes the, the group angry now. now it's like <laughs> the purpose. Yes. Um, Before I, they realize, oh shit, I was, the guy who can <laughs> deal three times as much damage just got one-shotted, it might be time to leave. I was, I was going to say, a recent example in our campaign is uh, we had someone bend their sword on an enemy to show that like it did Ooh. no damage. Like He went in and critical, did all the stuff, no damage, sword bent, and he just like, ah, normal weapons don't hurt these things, we should run away. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> two people still died in the escape. Ooh. It was uh, dire, dire celestial squirrels. Thank you, Twitch viewers, for that one. Um, yeah, that was that's that real fear because <laughs> I have, you know, I'm undead and they deal radiant damage. Mm. 
But yeah, that, that was the that was actually probably the first time I've ever seen a party break after a weapon got destroyed. It was a person just got beat up. It was a, hey, I hit the thing and the thing said, ha, not today. Um, <laughs> which was which was perfect. I, I, we were, most effective thing I've seen. Anyway, sorry. Well, we're talking about all different kinds of horror, and I don't know which one this falls into, but it is something that I like to employ when I want to create a sense of we're in danger, mm-hmm. which is the use of minions. Mm. Um, it's you walk into a room full to the brim with dolls and they don't realize it but they're all sentient I did that once before or another time it was just it was just straight zombies and I it just I just let them run and they went down in one hit it was just there were like a hundred of them and that just really like messes with their heads I think I did the same thing with skeletons not that long ago I think it was actually in one of Dagger House's campaigns is I had a, a hall of skeletons and they were in the way, like they could have turned around at any point except for when they when they were like, all right, we need to leave. There's too many people running out of spells. I closed the door, uh, and then they yeah, freaked out. One of the reasons. Oh, sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good. No, that's one of the reasons why I use it when uh, the party has a lot, a lot, a lot of resources. Well, now it's time for you to use some of them. Yeah. So I mean, on on that thing. Uh, another resource is sleep, right? So, like, if you have something that is continuously bugging people, uh, we're going to take a long rest, and you throw, like, a single small minion. You know, we kind of talked about the zombie that always comes back. Uh, mm-hmm. We did a goose, I think. There was a meme, and we did a goose, and that's what the goose's purpose was, was just to wake people up while they were sleeping. It was it was literally built off uh, that silly indie game that was the annoying oh, goose or whatever. Yeah, yeah, untitled goose game. Yes. And uh, the goose was invincible, right? Uh, I think we stole the idea from a Reddit post, but it does, it didn't do anything terrible. It just like took stuff or moved things or whatever, or woke the party up uh, when they were trying to That's sleep. That's the worst one. It was, yeah, it was really bad because they'd be like in a dungeon or something with nothing left, and like they get an hour rest, so the warlock would be the only person that got back up. Like, ah, I'm fine. How's everyone else doing? We're dying. Please help us. That reminds me of like it was a good ten or fifteen years ago early internet but there was some guy who made a movie trailer about a man being chased relentlessly by another man who had a spoon and he was just repeatedly hitting him with the spoon and like they filmed this all over the world just for the internet it's wild but he chased him all over the world just to continuously hit him with a spoon it's the same kind of idea only you use the duck the goose of fear. All right. Use the goose instead of a man with a spoon. <laughs> hey. Goose, not duck. Sorry. It's all. It's all good. Uh, I don't know, man. Is, man with a spoon. That might be the new scary one. Um. So we've covered a couple more. Um. I'm trying to think of the other ones that we talked about that was uh, important. Uh, oh, another thing I think is cool, especially with D and D, is that it has this rich world of like religious stuff and and traditions and superstitions and stuff so folk horror that's a good that's a good one yes oh man so one of my favorite tropes like just as a dm period is to have a haunted house that the players clear out to be their home base eventually Mm -hmm. right that's that's generally the purpose of the haunted house uh, but yeah, local horror slash stories that go into it to be like, oh, all the missing children end up there. Like, that's one of my favorite, like, just little splurts of the supernatural. Um, speaking of just the, traveling, right? Yeah, right, or you just find it randomly. Yeah, and there's some dude outside, like, don't go in, they'll kill you. And then you go, it's just ghosts. We're fine. We have silvered weapons. Get out of here. Uh, <laughs> I think disinformation oh, is a, okay. a really good tool. Yes. To use. Yeah in regards because like you know like you, you talk to people you know like oh how do zombies work oh a zombie you know bites you and it can spread the disease your players don't know necessarily whether that's true or not but if you tell them that another player says that or like another character says that or something like npc like they might believe that's how it works whether or not that is how it works because like unless like if they're doing a insight check they'll, they'll do the insight check on the guy and they'll be like yeah this guy's telling what he believes to be true right. the guy might be an idiot you know <laughs> <laughs> or you just trust the wrong person I mean here's like the same thing with that doppelganger situation like 
This person's purposefully misleading the entire party. Absolutely. Whether it be uh, uh, like like for purpose or with, without being on purpose, but like, you know, your players don't know necessarily how you run the campaign, mm-hmm. even if you've run the game before, because you might change the rules. Yeah, always change you know, the rules. Yes, no. Roger, maybe, can you hear me? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. What's up? Uh... Younger, one second. What's up there, guys? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt Younger. Go ahead. I'll, I can wait. I've been trying to talk for 10 minutes. Oh. <laughs> My bad. Oh, no. Yeah, the, you're, you're okay. Go ahead. The chat room be like that sometimes. Oh, but uh, basically, like, it, it, it honestly depends on the NPC that you're putting in front of your character. Like, they could be somebody who actually knows what's going on, or they could be an idiot, you know? And depending on the check, like, hey, maybe instead of doing an insight check, uh, you might decide to do a religion check, or do a history check, or do an arcana check, you know? Instead of just seeing whether or not they're telling what they believe to be true. Because you can only determine through an insight check whether or not they believe they're telling the truth or not. Not necessarily whether their information is correct. Um, oh and things gosh. like that. What's that one spell that allows you to see what kind of magic is happening at a given moment? That would be a good one to use that time to see whether the person is under the influence of a spell or something along those lines. Yeah, because uh, they, they could be under the influence. Like, there's also Zone of Truth, you know? Mm. But then again, Zone of Truth is if, if you're talking to an idiot who thinks, oh, the zombies are spread through their, their bite, you know, um, then, you know, even Zone of Truth won't work on it because he's telling you what he believes to be true. Um, you know, it's just the fact that he, he was misled or he's misinformed. Um that, you know, oh, no, they're actually spread through, like, this particular magic spell, like Animate Dead. Um, they have to be cast by Necromancer. But maybe in your game, they are actually, you know, spread by being bit or from drinking from a particular water source or any manner of things. Um, but your players don't necessarily know the rules of your world, even if they've played with you multiple times, if you change the world. Oh, yeah. Or maybe it's a new disease. Yeah, or a new disease. You know, like, oh, maybe traditionally zombies are only able to be made that way, but uh, within the last thousand years or hundred years, uh, a new plague has erupted, so on and so forth. Um, Again, reaching into that, like, hey, things that don't hit the traditional rules, because uh, your your players might think like, oh, you know, I've, I've read the the Dungeon Master Guide, and oh, I've read the Monster Manual. I know what they do. Okay. Well, to make it fun and entertaining and unpredictable, I'm going to alter those. Those are just a baseline stat block. <laughs> like, I come up with the history. I come up with uh, the story, you know? My job is to tell a story. <laughs> um, and so that can bring a, lo- a new level of excitement or thrill or anxiety or uh, worriedness, uh, any number of things. And whenever your players ask, like, whether it be after the session or during the session, you know, you can be like, hey, like, maybe try to think about some of these other things. You know, the reason you might not have found that out till later, you might uh, reveal to them uh, upon a certain uh, furthering of the campaign, be like, hey, you suddenly realize that maybe the guy you were talking to believed that he was saying, like, telling you the truth. However, you found out he just didn't know. <laughs> uh, because you found in for a new information, you know? Like, maybe you found a, a lich's book or a necromancer's book or a scientist's book that described, like, oh, this is how the plague actually works. Uh, and it was written by an intelligent individual rather than the random peasant you met at the bar who had seven drinks. All right, not to, not to let you talk for too much longer. I'm going to let Digger House say something while he has a chance. <laughs> so uh, I, we, we've traveled kind of far from it, but uh, the, 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 like the most horrifying thing I can remember playing uh, recently 
was that room that had the babies in it and the monsters that looked like babies and we had to kill the monsters but we didn't know if we were killing a monster or a baby that was horrifying Oh, you talking oh, to yeah, you ta- you you're talking about the growing mimics? Oh man, the growing mimics are great. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree with you. That sounds absolutely terrible. It it got worse because it had uh, like the first room or whatever had like twenty or thirty of these babies, right? And again, no idea if they're mimics or real babies. And then the next room had like half of them, and they were all feral like toddlers. Uh, and then there was another room with, you know, teenagers. And then there was a room with, like, two adults at the very end. Uh, and, the, and the process was to make these mimics perfect humans so they could blend in and be spies, basically. But they started from a baby with these babies so they could learn their mannerisms and all that and kill them as they go without getting caught because the ones that got caught got fried. Which I don't know if the players actually found that book that described the process to them or if I just told them afterwards. But, uh, yeah, was, that was a, an interesting uh, encounter, to say the least. Um, so, kind of, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up pretty soon. Uh, but we're going to do some rapid-fire questions, and then we'll do regular questions, comments, last things, yada, yada. Uh, and don't let me forget, i got to do our discount code, please and thank you, uh, Younger. Cha-ching. Coupons, baby. Cha-ching. Hey, you gotta get that 5% for the people that watch this podcast, baby. Alright, so, um, rapid fire question. So this is gonna be directed at Brittany. We're gonna go, uh, I'm gonna ask one, Younger's gonna ask one. Dagger House, if you have something, you can ask it after Younger. Uh, but these are just gonna be silly, okay? They don't necessarily have to be super serious. Uh, so would you prefer fast zombies or slow zombies? Slow. Okay, Younger. I am slow, so therefore, <laughs> the only chance I have to survive is if they are slower. Uh. I would prefer to fight slow zombies. However, I do like mixing it up. I do like breaking the norm. So if a player character is like, oh, a zombie can only move 20 feet, and then suddenly uh, the orc zombie uh, is somehow able to move 40 feet, that's still kind of terrifying. Yeah. Okay. Um, so do you play uh, sci-fi based RPGs? RPGs? We have, yeah. Uh, one of our GMs actually made an entire Star Wars campaign and it was pretty awesome. See, now I gotta like, pl- she, she rewrote everything herself. Added, like, it was incredible. So I, I gotta plug myself here though. We do, we do Star Wars at Ronswell. That's one of our certified systems that we do. And I love those games. So if you have friends that want to play it and uh, love to pay a DM, talk to me. <laughs> um, younger. And question. we also have Starfinder. Oh yeah, we Star- also have Starfinder. yeah, that's important. <laughs> we need. We always need people. Um, younger question. Oh, how would you describe your best smart villain, scary villain? A smart villain. be a book or you know whatever like what are some features that made it you know actually scary towards your player or you as a player i have a really bad habit of making the villains kind of stupid (laughs) that's not a bad habit that that keeps players safe Uh, smart villains are not good for heroes yeah, it ends up being like uh, this woman who kidnapped people and put them in her um, her snow globe um, alternate, not alternate reality, but like it was a pocket dimension, but of a snow globe. And she pretty much was stealing people and shoving them in there to see if they experienced any negative side effects from living in a pocket dimension. Um, not really the smartest person, but definitely evil. Oh, okay, that's good. I can see the experimentation of it being scary in itself. Mm-hmm. And so they come across all these other people who are living there, and some of them have actually gone completely crazy. Um, and there's one guy who keeps talking about how he found he found a a ladder into the world, and finally the players were like, 
see what the crazy man has to say. And they ended up taking this ladder into the inside of what they thought was the place that they lived. And um, that, this was our Christmas campaign. And walking through and finding this entire world that's her laboratory and all this stuff that she's been keeping and planning on how she's, uh, her stuff she's been doing. And finally they meet her and they, you know, destroy her. But it isn't until they reach a certain point in the lab that their memories come back and they realize that they were kidnapped. Up until that moment, they don't even know it. Okay. Okay. All right, next question. What is your least favorite type of TTRPG or at least uh, style of story play? I am not really into dungeon crawlers. <clears throat> you, you fit right in. We need to hang out more. I, I'm just... I'm just, I, I'm so into the story. That's why it's like so fun when people are like, can I change how this spell works? I'm like, show me what it is. Probably, the answer is probably gonna be yes. Does it further the story? Does it make the story more interesting? I'm down. Oh man, all right. We, we, I'm gonna have to talk to you offline about joining our Monday campaign because you, you sound like <laughs> you fit right right in. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Um, let's see here. Uh, Younger, any other questions? Dagger has any other questions? Rapid fire before we yep. get to the, the yep. plugs and whatnot. Yep, 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 I, got, I, I got one. Ask yeah. So, uh, unusual mixed race from, and you can mix any any race from any <laughs> game style. What, what is your favorite? Okay, so you said unusual mixed yeah, like, race? Yeah, like, so you get like a half orc, a half elf. You know, I mean, those are all normal. What's an unusual mixed race and you from any game system? Very good question. And my brain is... Okay, so I have recently been playing, um, like, Power of the Apocalypse type games. And so you have, like, roles like uh, the Hunter or the Chosen One or... You know, stuff like that. So I feel like if you mix any of those with D and D, it probably gets real weird. Uh, <laughs> like a a half, we call it a dragonborn. That's also a robot. Ooh, ooh. That could be fun. That could be fun. <laughs> a good looking robot. <laughs> Cyborg dragonborn. Sounds like a great time. Um, I actually have a, a great input into that, if you don't mind me also interjecting. No, you, you, you're done. Get out of here. Just kidding. Go ahead. Uh, in in 3.5, they actually have a deal called uh, Bastards and Bloodlines uh, about different, like, half-breeds. It's specifically in regards to, like, oh, like, if you could mix any and all races together with another race, uh, and I think one of the coolest slash uh, terrifying thing is uh, how uh, there's this creature called a burrower, which is a gnome and an umber hulk. Don't ask me how that happened. I don't want to know. However, <laughs> what what's that um, one race that they put in and then they took it out right away because everyone was super mad? Um, it's not a Kenku, though, but it, it's a similar and this particular race of people don't have any understanding of ownership. Uh, Eric Cochran. Uh, that's actually regular Eric Cochran. Yeah, I was gonna say that's that's regular Eric Cochran. <laughs> Wait, I've never I've never played by Eric Cochran as, as thieves. Oh, you're, you're not. I mean, the, 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 are, are the thieves. Yeah, no, no, she, she is talking about a different race though. We we make a joke because the characters we play that play Eric Cochran are they uh, know social that, concepts. That uh, but no, I know what you're talking about. I don't remember its name, but yeah, it basically got replaced or just just play a Kenko, you'll have more fun because having a tender, tender. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were apparently put in in like 3.5 and then immediately yanked out, and I was just like, I think they're kind of fun. Yeah, they just steal nonstop, and it's not even like they think they steal; they don't understand that things belong to anybody. Like, if you go into a Kender household, you just walk by, pick up something, and leave with it. And they'll be like, oh, I used to have that thing. <laughs> oh, man, that sounds great. Like, I'll just walk mm -hmm. through every town and take everything. Mm -hmm. That's just well, I guess the problem is, players had a field day, and it made 
the game hard. Yeah, because yeah. from a DM standpoint, away from watch, you know, watch and guards and things. And... Yeah, so, so having played with players, that, me, this is for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Having players that have that, like, oh, I'm just going to be able to do whatever I want wherever I'm at, is really hard to DM because then it just gets super argumentative for no good reason. Um, or, like, you have the internal stealing, like, oh, hey, where'd my sword go? Oh, I needed it, so I took it. Like, come on, dude. Like, your character should be yeah. smart enough to know that my character doesn't like that. You know what I mean? Uh, it just breeds unnecessary-ness at the table. Because, again, I've had I've had players in recent editions to basically play that style, uh, mm-hmm. and that's how it ends every single time. Um, okay, so, uh, plugs and last minute things, um, so, first things first, thank you so much for being our first official guest, and there's a little gift, uh, in the next day or so, I'm gonna send you a, uh, a secret item that's really gonna be on our wheel in the near future, whether it's next month or whatnot, uh, but we gotta finish printing it up, and it's a, it's name is Horror Companion, so you're gonna be the first person to officially see this besides being younger. Oh, nice! Um, so as a small thank you for being here and spending some time with us, I hope that after you see it, look through it, you'll hang out with us some more and obviously interact and do things and all that fun stuff. We'd love to have you back to talk about this kind of stuff in the future and or jump on your stuff to say ha ha when we can. Um, other than that, um, code thing, ha ha, I, I didn't forget. Uh, so this month's code for our podcast is going to be June Tune. June Tune, capital J, capital T, all one word. And that's that. That's that. Um, any last comments, questions, concerns? I got one more question. Uh oh. Um, I said that every time you talk to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know it's such a bad thing when I when I speak. Um, do you happen to have any circumstances where instead of the DM, the character was actually uh, instiller of horror within a game? Kind of. Um, in the game that I'm playing right now, I've been playing this for like the last two years. This like a uh, 16-year-old uh, Asimar, and uh, we got ourselves involved in some pretty serious stuff. And I, she made a deal with a devil, which you really shouldn't do when you are part angel. But whatever, she's 16, so um, we were in a situation where another character was just like wait, you're not going to do the right thing? And I was just like, I have to give this to my people so that I don't go to hell. And I legitimately actively tried to kill this man. My other player, like another player used uh, uh, an, an upper level like scroll to revive him and take him away from me. And it completely like, it was, it was an intense moment. It was really dark. I felt terrible as a person, and my character felt bad as a player because he was a good guy. He wanted to do the right thing and return this thing to its rightful owner, but I had been tasked with giving it to someone else. And I I just, in that moment, I was just like, I'm going to have this. And my GM was like, we're riding with it. If you're doing this, if you kill this man, this is going to change your character forever. And I was like, all right, let's go. And I think... It created, I don't know if it would be scary, but it, it created a very intense moment where everybody's morality kind of was called into question. Like, one person in our party sided with me and tried to kill him, and the others wanted the exact opposite. We actually had a, a similar ordeal, but not quite the same. It's on a much lower scale, and it was with a bunch of peon bandits. <laughs> it was like oh oh do we kill them do they, they surrendered but they were banded well before that we had, had another tense moment where we had come across a dragon cult and we had found out where they were sleeping and me and another player were like cool let's just toss a couple molotovs close the door and the other players are we're standing in their their house having this fight outside their door and so we kind of jokingly called like our group team war crimes. And, but then when that situation happened with the item that I had to try and return to the bad guys, I was like, I don't want to be team war crimes anymore. This is bad. I feel bad because I, up until that point, she had been 
at worst chaotic good. Okay. So it was real intense. I think everybody like cried a little bit. It was rough. So yeah, not but, so scary, but like. But shocking. Yeah. Uh, do you have any questions for us? You also like you. Well, you still you have very chaotic characters, which is just D and D in a nutshell. All TTRPGs. It just lets people be the wildest versions of themselves. Or the versions that they would never be in real life. <laughs> Sometimes it gives you the chance to be who you really want to be. Which is hopefully not an evil necromancer. Oh, I feel personally attacked. <laughs> I was, was going to say, I, you I, just I, called I, your grant so hard right, right now. I, play, I, I also am talking about myself, too. I played a red wizard from Thay in a game, and I had a great time. I, the, but my favorite thing was reviving zombies and having them follow me around. And everybody was like, ah. And I'm like, this, they're fine. For 24 hours, they'll listen to me. That's way too funny. That's that's exactly. Can't revive our dead companions to help fight us in the future battles. Yeah. Yeah. If you die, I'll bring you back for the next day. There's, You're on our side. There's that meme, you know, they're, they're doing the Lord of the Rings. You have my axe. You have my bow. You have my sword. You have your dead brother. Ha ha. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, RJ, you got anything for us? Last minute. Nope. I'm good. All right. Reaper, uh, I'm going to look in the normal chat because I've been ignoring that terribly. I'm sorry. You got anything for us? Are you good? You can't really answer. But if you said something in the chat in the next 10 seconds, I'll know. All right, we're going to say no. So, anyway, again, thank you so much. Uh, with the adventure in mind, I hope everyone has a wonderful night. All right, well, I hope you guys enjoyed our first official guest. Again, her name is Brittany Ransom. Uh, she has her own podcast. There'll be links. They're all over the place. So please go check out her stuff too. It's super awesome. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. Little kid noises or not. Um, questions, comments, concerns, hit us up on our Discord. Email us. Whatever you want to do. We're, we're happy to help. Uh, if you guys missed it, the code for this week is June Tune. Or sorry, this month. June Tune, right? So J-U-N-E-T-U-N-E. -E. The J and the T are capitalized. Get you that 5% off. Anyway, I hope you all have a wonderful night, and with adventure in mind, have a wonderful week.